Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Garen Jones. Happy to be here. Happy for you guys to be here. Happy for us all. Wow. We've got a special podcast today. Um, Usually, obviously, it's Veteran State of Mind. We have veterans on the show. But that's kind of going to limit us a little bit, isn't it? Because let's be honest. One of the things that we can do as a veteran community is we think we know all the answers. We think we have all the answers. Well, the thing is, while we were out doing our thing in our 20s and our 30s and our late teens, the civilian world was moving on without us. And there's a lot of fucking information out there with a lot of hardworking people. And I think that it's a good thing for us to tap in to to those people's minds. And it's my podcast, so guess what? It's going to happen. Nah, it's all of our podcasts, really. But mostly mine because I made the decisions. So anyway, we uh, we reached out to my friends today. We've done this before. We've had um, my friend Gareth Emery on the show who is a DJ and you guys responded to that because I think one of the things, we can't transition to Civvy Street while we see civvies as so different to veterans. Now, are there differences? Absolutely. But we're still all fucking human beings, right? And I tell you what, some of the most hardworking, dedicated greatest team players I know are civilians and have always been civilians and always will be civilians. Let's learn from each other. Civvy world has a lot to learn from the military. I want more civilians to listen to this podcast because the veteran community has so much to teach you. But we've got to learn from the civilian world too. And my mate Chase is on the podcast today to make that happen. Uh, Chase lives in San Diego. He's a very successful entrepreneur you're going to learn a lot from today's podcast. Um, we don't have an official sponsor for today's podcast because, you know what, I thought we're talking about Chase's company and we're getting a lot of things. Uh, we're getting a lot of um, we're getting a lot of information out of Chase that would cost you a lot of money to go and find off a, a speaker like him in the um, in the corporate world. So how about this? As today's sponsor, if you want to go and support anyone, head over to Chase's company, Blenders. Um, this is me saying this, that he came on with absolutely no... Um, no kind of um, expectations of anything in return other than giving up his time. And I, I really appreciate that. And I love his company, Blenders. I've been wearing them for a long time, I'm still wearing them. And uh, if you so if you head over to Blenders, they'll be tagged up in the post. And let's, let's support Chase's company for giving up his time because he, he is a top bloke and time is precious for all of us. I thank you for being here and giving up your time listening. And thank you, Chase, for coming on the podcast and giving up your time. And we're going to be doing more of these uh, civilian episodes, guys. As I said, there's just so much benefit for everyone all around. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chase Fisher. Chase, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you, man. Stoked to be here. Yeah, mate, you are our second civilian guest on the podcast. Uh, Gareth was the first one, actually. Uh, so shout out to Gareth because uh, he's the he's the one that kind of uh, introduced uh, the two of us. And you're out in... Uh, Sunny San Diego. Yep, sunny San Diego. It's a little foggy today, but other than that, it's been it's been it's been sunny. Oh, it's the June gloom, right? You know, yeah. It's, but it's been a really good June. <laughs> Today's like the only cloudy day of the whole month, so I can't complain. Did you grow up at? Um, did you grow up in Southern California? Yeah, I'm from Santa Barbara, so a couple hours north of San Diego. Um, been here my whole life. So, presumably, then, because um, I was going to ask you about how you got into um, surfing, because you're a big big surf guy, right? Is mm-hmm. is that just like a is that like a staple of the, like, so in Wales, we've got like rugby or well, now it's mostly soccer, to be honest. But is it if you grew up in Santa Barbara, you surf and that's just the bottom line? I think it's just part of the Southern California culture in general, especially if you're born on the beach. Um, you know, it's a big, it's a big piece of California lifestyle. And so uh, I was lucky to learn at a really young age. Yeah. And it, is, was that like a family thing or was it, you know, like, is it something that 
um, parents kind of like uh, encourage their kids to do? You know, it's actually not like my dad is from LA. He's never surfed in his life. He was afraid of the ocean. My mom, on the other hand, like my mom's side of the family was really big in sailing and, you know, they, they, they spent a lot of time on the water. Um, But my, but my grandparents actually got me into it, which is pretty funny. So um, they're the ones that dragged my ass to surf camp. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen like, so when I've been in San Clemente, I've seen those surf camps. It was pretty hardcore as well. <laughs> like like pretty hardcore little boot camps. The, the guy's getting like uh, thrashed up and down on the sand. Is that the kind of thing that you mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, doing surf camp and then doing junior lifeguards on top of that, just to get really comfortable in the water and learning how to swim and learning how to hold your breath. And, um, you know, being being in those conditions at a young age really kind of like, you know, prepares you for for bigger waves and just the ocean in general because it's pretty scary sometimes but yeah it's all good stuff is there like a crossover there from um you know because like you said the water is a, a scary place the water or can be a scary place the water is something that definitely needs to be thoroughly respected um because you know people are always worried about sharks but i mean that's like way down your list of things that you actually need to be worried about um in the water is the confidence you've had from surfing and being out in the water, does, does that carry, did that carry over through your childhood? Did that make you a more confident person in general? Absolutely. I mean, you know, growing up, I struggled in school, right? I wasn't the smartest kid in the classrooms. I was like held, held back in on multiple different subjects in school. And I had a tough time in the classroom, you know? So my confidence was really built outside the classroom. It was built at the beach. It was built in the water. It was built through surfing. Um, and so, yeah, it had a huge impact on my life overall. Um, I'd say without that, I'd, I'd, I'd still be struggling to find my confidence. Damn, dude, that's, that's, that's crazy. So what, what, what was it kind of, what was the school experience for you for a bit? If you want to go into, go into that. I'm dyslexic. You know, I had a really tough time with reading comprehension. Um, you know, I was in special reading classes and math classes, you know, learning to me just came came at a loss compared to others. You know, um, I was really good with like people and really good with networking and building relationships and a really sociable guy. So, you know, I really had that to my advantage, but you know, the school structure from teaching, um, and from learning subjects was difficult for me. You know, I mean, I powered through it, um, you know, through high school all the way through college, but fuck man, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. That was probably the hardest thing for me was getting through school. And were you made to feel like that you were at somehow, like that it was like a fault do you know what i mean like yeah. if it, so what, what what was the what what what's that like because i mean i'm um you know I've, I, academically wise i've always kind of like i've had my own struggles as a kid i'm sure we all do but mine were like outside the kind of classroom i can't really kind of like imagine what that must be like from no fault of your own to be made to feel like you're some kind of like you know that you're fucking up yeah no for sure i mean look like when i was when i was young and w- when you are young you're worried about your image right when you're in seventh eighth ninth grade oh, yeah. you're worried about what people think about you and so for me i had to like leave leave the classroom to go up to the office to take my medication um i was in you know special special reading classes with people i didn't even like ever hang out with and i would go to the other classroom when other people would go to this classroom and it was just like awkward, you know, and I think for me, you know, having to deal with that um, made me want to succeed even more, you know, because I was, Mm. I was, I was held back a lot. And I thought all these other kids were smarter than me and that they were better than me. Um, And so it's just, it's, it's pretty ironic to see the change from now compared to then, Um, you know, and everyone has their own hardships and struggles, but I think the story lies in the struggle. So I think there's a lot to say about just 
you know, my childhood and having to deal with it. Bro, honestly, I always think back to the people that like, I don't like to use the word bullying because sometimes it implies that like bullying is like you're getting your ass handed to you every day. But like certainly teasing and stuff. Um, I would never have met you if I didn't used to get teased in school because I never would have then got that spark to kind of like try and prove people wrong. Totally. I never would have ended. And that, that you know, that's kind of kicked out to being in Southern California. Um, what? So would you say that like was, was surfing, was surfing the escape then was like that kind of physical activity? Absolutely. Yeah. So like my parents were both, you know, my parents were divorced. So they both had completely different parenting styles. My mom really believed in team sports and cohesiveness on, you know, learning how to be on a team where my dad was an entrepreneur. Right. And so for surfing, for me, it was my escape. It was kind of like the way, a way that I can just kind of leave, leave the world for a little bit, go out and purge my feelings. Um, I met a lot of friends through it. I competed at a very high level throughout, you know, high school, all the way through college. Um, I was never good enough to go professional, but I was good enough to, um, learn how to self-market myself, get sponsored by companies and start learning the relationship between an athlete and in a brand. Mm. And so for me, that came at a young age and I just loved it. You know, that was like, that was my escape. That was what I thought was the coolest thing in the world was, um, being around that scene. And that's what you really forged the path of my life. And, um, yeah, it's pretty wild. So dude, before we go into that a bit more, like, uh, can you really give us like a, a an overview of what surf culture is like? Because it's not something that like really that okay. There are small pockets in the UK where surfing's a thing, but generally in the UK, it's not a part of the culture. You know, because I think say football culture is very similar to rugby culture. You know, with that kind of like that locker room atmosphere. Mm-hmm. What 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 is that kind of culture like? Yeah, you know, I mean, when you're growing up as a kid, it's just all about having fun. You know, and you're just going to the ocean. Your parents are dropping you off at the beach and you know, you're just one with the ocean and, um, you just have a big playground at your feet. And so for me, that was something that I really enjoyed. Obviously as surfing's kind of grown, um, it's moved away from that. And it's obviously still has a big piece of that, but the culture of surfing has grown into a much larger, more commercialized sport now. Um, you know, it's not just the the old stereotype that surfers are lazy and surfers are kind of (laughs) pot pot smokers and they're just going to be on the beach, like skipping school. Like, you know, sure. There's a piece of, of, of that culture, but surfing has become a much more commercialized sport that, um, you know, it's not just doobie suckers, you know, it's, it's suited and booted stockbrokers now, and it's people that are actually building legitimate careers. And, um, it's just appealing to a much larger audience. So it's cool to see the sport grow. Um, but you know, the lineups are very crowded now, you know, down here in San Diego, it's like everyone in the world starting to surf. And, um, so yeah, it's definitely grown a lot. I mean, just like any industry has, but at, at its core, it's still there, you know, and surfing will always be there in terms of being fun, um, you know, and just pushing you uh, competitively and just spiritually and naturally just with just with nature. So, um, yeah, it's great. Dude, can you explain how the lineup works on it? Because I've always wondered looking out when I'm, you know, because I've spent a lot of time in Southern California, and I've, but I've never been surfing. I don't really understand much about it. And I was wondering, like, how do people know who's is who's wave and that kind of thing? How does that work? So it really depends on where you're, I mean, it really depends on where you're surfing, right? Some spots are super localized to where, you know, the people out there are really strict on, on who goes on what wave, where people take off, how people are paddling out, things like that. Um, but if you're more in like a, you know, bigger region, like San Diego, for example, it's, it's kind of, it's, there's less of that. Um, so it it really depends on, you know, where you are surfing and, um, where the waves are breaking, 
right? So it's hard for me to like visually or to tell you over like this interview, but I would have to actually show you if we're, if we're standing out there looking at the waves. Um, but yeah, there's proper etiquette. You know, if people are, are farther out than one another, that person usually gets the right away. Um, and you always want to look both ways before taking a wave because it's just, you don't want to cut, cut people off or snake people is what they say. Um, that gets, you know, that gets, you nowhere fast. And so, yeah, there's basic fundamentals that you have to know. Um, but down here, it's kind of a donkey show, you know, it's like nobody, no, nobody knows what they're doing. It's just, you paddle out and everyone just runs each other over. Um, but then, but, but then you go to more spots like Trestles in San Clemente or, you know, more familiar, uh, you know, well-known surf breaks that have proper etiquette to where when you paddle out, you know, you need to know what you're doing or else you're going to get yelled at. So if you, if you were like a newbie surfer, it wouldn't be a good idea to go to trestles or somewhere. Yeah, probably not. You probably want to stay away from trestles. Uh, it's probably not going to be the best, the best first experience you can have. I'll I'll tell you that, (laughs) especially, especially if the waves are good, you're going to get your, you're going to get your shit kicked in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude. Because I've I've I've, um, I've walked down there and watched them a few times. Because it's it's funny because it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere. It, it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere in a, in in some kind of way because you know it's it's a lot further away from the um like the build up of like the number of people on the beach and stuff. But, um, yeah. But but like uh, one of the things I gotta say that I really like about it is um you know when I was in San Clemente and stuff is you go down the walk for a beach in the evening, and I I really like this thing that you had um. You know, you've got kids out in the water and then you've got all the adults sitting around like chatting together and stuff. And I thought, wow, wow, this is really like this is a real community. Um, And I I just like there's not many things where that pulls in people like that because, you know, you yeah, sure. You get like soccer games where people come to, but you get the parents screaming at each other. I mean, maybe that happens in surfing. I don't know. But it just seemed like a really great sense of community, um, which is, you know, in my opinion, was, was, you know, that's got to benefit the town at large yeah totally i mean look i mean even with just this coronavirus thing i mean once the beaches were lifted you know it seems like everybody in san diego picked up a surfboard you know and it really Mm. brought people together and it was everyone's escape so if anyone was going to start surfing it was now and it's just not only surfing but just the beach you know the beach does that to people it gravitates people it brings people together um and it's just to me surfing is like one of the most organic things you can do as a human um, there's nothing like it and there's no other place I can be truly present in the world than being in the ocean. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. So what is it? What, why is it that you feel so present there? I think it's just like being one with the ocean, you know, and it's just, it's always moving and I'm like, I'm not near my phone. I'm not like thinking about certain things. Like I'm just, I'm just out there by myself and able to think creatively. And when you are surfing, it's like nothing else comes to your mind than riding that wave at that one time. Um, and there's just an element of, of natural harmony. I think that comes into play, right? Knowing that these waves are breaking from thousands and thousands of miles away and, you know, you get to ride the last piece of them all the way to shore. And I, I, there's just something to be said about that. Um, and just the beauty it brings, but you know, the ocean is just so therapeutic in a sense that it heals you and it soothes you and it, and it, and it, and it brings you energy. Um, so yeah, it's like for me being an entrepreneur, it's very hard to shut off and it's very hard to find that like present moment. But the ocean is the place I know I can always find that anytime, anywhere. Yeah, dude, I, I, I totally agree, man. And that, that goes for just being down, just being down at the beach and watching waves. Like you said, like, you know, cause one of the jobs um, I used to do would be doing the anti-piracy work and you'd be in the middle of the Indian ocean and you see the swells and that swell is yep. going to end up breaking oh, yeah. on a beach somewhere thousands of miles yeah. away and that that kind of like is such a cool cool thought 
Um, I love that. Yeah, dude, it's just it's, it's just kind of bonkers, and you're never gonna see you never see the same one twice. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like the the old you know you never step into the same stream twice. It's well, it's the same with waves. Like you'll never see the exact same one. That moment in that moment is never gonna happen again. Exactly. Um, and the the noise and the power. It makes you realize you're kind of your insignificance. And I think we all need checking on our ego sometimes to make, you know, to be realized like, hey, you know, the world doesn't get like you go out in those waves and you don't respect them. The world will eat you up and chew you out in the net and you'll be dead in a few minutes. You know, it's like you have to respect it. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that's so so cool. Dude. Do, you, do you meditate or anything like that? Or is it surfing is the kind of meditation for you? You know, I've tried meditation. It's hard for me to just be, it's hard for me to do that. Like, I'm not going to lie, but surfing is is kind of my spiritual time by myself that I would say. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my therapy. You know, that's my therapeutic time uh, that I can just kind of shut my mind off. Um, I try and surf as much as I can. So at least, you know, three to five times a week I'm out there as long as the waves are good, but even just going out when the waves are not good, I'm, I always feel so much better, you know, after I do that. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of find that fire again, just being a little kid, you know, as a surfer, you're just always mm. in the water. You just love going back to the beach. And I think this coronavirus thing has really made me just appreciate things in a whole new light now. Um, now that the beaches were shut down for six weeks, which is just insane. Yeah. How did that, that like, how did that feel? Did it, was it almost like, you know, you kind of like missing a limb? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like if you would have said Chase, like, holy shit, like, you know, you, you would get a ticket for surfing. I'd call you crazy. Right. <laughs> and you know, they were sending out thousand dollar tickets for people that were surfing and the whole beach was shut down. Oh. And it was just bizarre to even fathom that, you know, it's like the beach is usually my escape, no matter what it's always there. And it's always, it's always open. Right. Um, but not this time, you know? So it was just really, really weird trying to get accustomed to that. But, um, you know, I found, I found fun in other ways and I shredded at, I shredded from the couch instead. Did you feel that your mental health kind of went down and, um, like, did you feel like there was kind of like a negative effect from not being able to get that outdoor space on the beach? For sure, man. I mean, you know, when this whole thing happened, I was, that's, that was my escape, right? I was going to the beach every day. I was surfing. And as long as I had my surfboard and the waves, I was okay. Um, but I think just the simple pleasures of life like really kind of came into play and I started to realize how happy I could be with less and I don't need all mm. the other shit in my life and t- to make me happy. Like what truly makes me happy is having a surfboard on the beach, you know, and that's really all I need in my laptop. Um, so yeah, definitely. I would say at the beginning it was hard, definitely, but I, I found other ways to kind of keep myself occupied, keep myself busy. And I think that's what, what definitely got me through this and probably everyone else. Yeah, I keep saying, dude, it's like if people needed the pandemic to give themselves a break before, then they need to really reevaluate, you know, what was going on. Um, I mean, I've, I feel like I'm in the position where the things have actually got busier for me because I, like I, I work from home anyway. So like this has just been that I haven't had the break to get out the house because I feel I feel like the load's got. I'm I'm not complaining about that, dude. I'm fucking happy to be able to you know, a wage from home when a lot of when a lot of um, people are struggling. Um, I want to go back to your your education and stuff a bit. You said you went to college. What was kind of like the rationale behind going to college? Um, considering that you you know you weren't say necessarily the happiest with uh, formal education. Um, was it like a, a kind of like a done thing in the family or what was the reasoning behind it? Yeah. I mean, look, like in high school, you know, I, my, my mom always taught me life's better with options, right? You always want options in life. And like, I was, like I said, I was never good enough to go professional in surfing. And, you know, at that time being in high school, it, like, you know, the only ones that really dropped out were the kids that were just kind of like going nowhere in life. And like, I didn't want that. Um, 
and I love San Diego. I love San Diego. I was coming down here a lot in high school for surf contests and I just fell in love with it. And so I took my SATs and I, I bombed them like four times. So I kept taking them over and over and over and over. And I barely made the admissions at San Diego state. Um, like literally slipped through the doggy door and got in and I wanted to come to San Diego just to kind of expand my network and expand my life and move out of Santa Barbara. Um, and so that was my goal, you know, and that's what I was able to do. And, um, it was the best move I ever made. You know, I definitely wouldn't be in the position that I am in now if I didn't move to San Diego and go to college and kind of battle it out. Right. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to set myself up and I didn't have anything else to kind of fall back on. Um, and I needed college to kind of give me that stability and, and open my network. Dude, there's a few things that you've said so far, which kind of jumped out on me. Um, one was that you noticed the, you were saying about, you noticed the, um, the kind of like the correlation between athletes and brand. And then, you know, you said you wanted to come down to San Diego to expand your network. Those aren't things that like a lot of like 20 year olds, eight, 19, 18 year olds think about. Um, usually the things of, um, you know, people are just thinking at that age is I want to go somewhere and get lit and fuck people. Um, so <laughs> how, uh, where, where did that come from? Because like you're, you're ahead of the game and you're thinking there, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I loved. Right. And that's what I started to see success in early on in high school, um, was networking with brands networking with athletes, being around the scene. Like that's where I was thriving. I wasn't thriving in the classroom. I was thriving outside the classroom on the beach and learning how to self-market myself. Um, and so I started getting connections with companies and I started getting sponsored and I started getting a ton of free shit and, oh, nice. and I was, I, I was able to provide value to these companies in other ways than being on the podium and winning contest, you know? Um, so for me, I loved that. And I knew that San Diego had more, more, more of that and all the big brands and the big companies and the big athletes were all much further down here. And so if I needed, I needed to inject myself into that scene furthermore, um, in order to just kind of have more of it. So yeah, you know, and, and, you know, my hometown is a little bit of a vortex. If you don't leave after high school, you get stuck and you get, you know, you end up doing the same shit you've been doing for your whole life. And I just didn't want that. So, um, yeah, I was so, so happy to get down here and obviously I haven't left ever since. So do you put it basically boils down to you putting yourself in a position to win, put yourself in a position to win and get what, get what you wanted. Um, I think that like for anybody listening, I just want to kind of drill down on this point because one thing that I don't think Brits do very well that Americans do a lot better is move to where like we are in Britain. I feel like there's more of this culture of expecting shit to come to you mm-hmm. rather than going to it. Whereas in America, I'm, look, part of this is because it's a fucking continent. You because you can't just move anywhere on the continent in the Europe and work where you want, right? Right. The fact that you can do that in America, I think, is a huge opportunity. As someone that writes, as someone that writes, I'm very jealous of anyone in America that can just move to LA and work one job while doing the other. But I do think Americans are much better. They saying, "Hey, you know what? I want to be a fucking." Um, I want to, I want to get into the surf industry more. I'm going to fucking San Diego. Um, whereas in Britain, we're like, well, why can't they open this kind of place mm. up, up by me? So anybody listening, I think take a leaf out of Chase's book. And if you want to, if you want to work in a certain industry, go or, or um, a certain because uh, like sports, quite often, you know, for cycling, for instance, Manchester has got most of the um, the assets for cycling in the UK in Manchester. If you want to be a world class cyclist, move to fucking Manchester. You know, it's you got to look at you look for these places and then put yourself into those um, 
into those positions. The other thing I was going to say, did like, do you feel like you, you mentioned your dad was an entrepreneur. Do you feel like you're a born entrepreneur? You know, it's funny because my, yeah, like I think I got the entrepreneur gene from him. Um, you know, like I said, when I was doing these surf contests, I was getting a ton of free shit, right? And mm-hmm. I was getting free, like tons of free stickers. I'd go down to these contests, I get thousands and thousands of stickers. And I started selling these stickers in high school to students in my class. Mm-hmm. And I was making like five to 10 bucks a day. Um, so I guess you could say that was my first business, but seeing my dad start his business and being able to run it anywhere that there was cell phone service and internet, um, was pretty cool. And like, I saw that, you know, and I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. And then like, I saw my mom and she was like, she, she's a court reporter. So she's in court all day and she's doing depositions. And it was just like two completely different lifestyles. So I think I kind of got the blend of both of them, right? I learned the discipline from my mom and the structure from my mom. And then I kind of learned that like to think differently from my dad and you can, you can blaze your own path sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say I, I, I got it from him, but I think, I think both of them equate to something even bigger. Yeah, dude, I, I definitely agree with you there. What is it about the entrepreneur life um, that kind of appeal to you? You know, for me, it's just like, I don't like boundaries, right? I don't like ceilings. Mm. And with this game, there's no, ce- there's no ceiling, you know? And it's like, it's like surfing, right? It's just you in the ocean and you got no one else to blame but yourself. And um, you can go as hard as you want and you can, you can go as light as you want. But like at the end of the day, it's just you. Um, you're making your own decisions. You're calling your own shots. Um, and you're, you're making a life that you're living on your own terms. And for me, I saw the classroom style learning for me and I hated it. I hated it. I could not subscribe to that. I didn't learn that way. I'm much better off like you know, some birds aren't meant meant to be caged. Right. And I'm just kind of one of those guys. So I love the feeling of accomplishment. I love the feeling of building something with your hands and doing something from, from ground zero and not having any ceilings on how big or far you can go. And so, uh, I think just the thrill of it is, keeps me so, so excited about it all the time. Yeah, man. I, I I, th- I think that knowing um, it's one of those Tony Robbins things where he talks about like one of the, you know some of the things we need to be happy in life is you got to have a certain amount of cer- you know certain amount of certainty and then a certain amount of uncertainty, and you kind of get that in entrepreneurship because it's like one of the certainties you have is like hey if I work hard that will get results, but the uncertainty is like mm-hmm. like how far could I take this like you know it's like if I put in if that extra couple of hours work every week or not even it's not always a case of just doing more work it's like what if i tweak this what if i do that what if i collaborate with this person what there's so like there's literally infinite possibilities when people say to you i'm kind of getting ahead of myself a bit here we will backtrack but how do you feel about people when you hear people saying like oh i just want to work to 55 or whatever it is whatever the retirement age is 65 and then just like retire like how are you wanting to work to the day you die is that, like, how do you kind of see that? I mean, I definitely know there's like, you know, there's sacrifices you have to make, right? And I made a ton of sacrifices in my 20s to give me a better life in my 30s. But um, like, do I want to work forever until I die? No, you know, I don't want to be a doctor or, or, you know, one of those people that just has to work. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to call the shots. I want to be able to design my life how I want to do it. Um, and if I want to keep working, I can keep working. But if I don't, I don't, you know? Um, so as long as I'm, as long as I'm passionate about what I'm doing and, I, and I'm excited about it and um, it gets me out of bed and and I'm learning and I'm failing and I'm building, like all these things that, you know, go into it, that's what the journey is all about. So as long as that can go, 
that I'm still excited about it. I mean, shit, I'll ride this wave as long as I can. Yeah, dude, I, I totally, I love what you said to design your life because you're like, you know, looking back on what you, you've told us so far, you're already doing that with moving to San Diego. That's a part of designing your life. You saw something that you wanted and then you made it happen because mm-hmm. um, something that, um, you know, I'll shout out um, my friend, Paul DeGelder, um, who's been on the podcast a few times because we, him, him and I were just talking about this the other day. So it's, fresh in my mind um you know so he lost his leg in a, an arm and hand in a shark attack um and they told him that he, he they told him that he couldn't be a like in this elite unit anymore and like some people would have just gone okay but he said no fuck that i am gonna be in it and you're gonna let me be in it and he kept proving himself and proving himself and proving himself over and over and over and over again and it was that persistence that made the dream a reality um, and that's exactly the same with you, taking the SATs over and over and over again. Right. You know, like, it's, it's a real old cliche saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. It's fucking cliche for a reason. It's fucking true. It's it's so true, man. I mean, it's a cold-hearted truth, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things is, dude, we like, we dismiss a lot of things that sound cliche because we think, oh, that's a cliche, so dismiss it. Like, we're very bad at, like, people, you know, all of us kind of do that. But, you know, like, one of... Um, you know, like if I love, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's kind of level of success and he just talks about reps and reps isn't just like, if you want to get a bigger chest to do more reps of the bench, reps could be taking the SATs several times. Reps could be taking a fitness test several times, you know, but like if you get your, if you get your reps in and like, I have to say this because there's always that person out there who will fucking message me with a fucking caveat. Um, but you know, generally speaking, if you put in the work, and if you and if you if you keep going again after you fail the first time, you will usually persevere. That's just that's that's how it goes, dude. So when you were when you were at um, college, then did you start like what was what what was your kind of plan then to expand the network and to what what to go from the, where then? What was the next step? So for so in college, it was like you know San Diego State was a big party school. It was like one of the most popular schools to go to. Like all the girls were there. I mean, it was already such a it was the epicenter of like California culture just bundled in one school. Um, so by default, like just being around those people, being in that scene, like just gave me such an advantage. Um, and it's got such a diverse group of people. Um, and that's what I kind of learned about San Diego in general was basically like, I know my strengths aren't in the classroom. I'm going to try my ass off through school and I'm not going to get the best grades, but I'll, I'll get through it. But what I'm going to take away from this is, the network of people I'm going to meet, the relationships, you know, the 2 a.m. conversations I have with people on the weekend, you know, those types of things are the things you take away from college. It's, I don't remember a damn thing I learned in college, but the people I met, I studied communication. So I went through many different iterations. Like I wanted to be a meteorologist. Then I wanted to be a personal trainer and all this shit had so much like science and so much math. And I was like, oh fuck, I can't, this is going to be a battle. This is not going to work. So I was like, what's going to give me the best advantage? Like I'm already good with communication. I'm already good with people. Let's do communication. Keep it super broad. It's business without the math. And (laughs) let's just, let's just run with this. Right. And so that's what I did, you know, and I, I just, focus on my network. You know, I was on the surf team here. Um, and I met a ton of people. So yeah, the people I surrounded myself in college were hugely valuable. And definitely if there's one takeaway from this too, it's like, you've got to surround yourself Mm. with the right people. You know, you got to inject yourself in the right crew and you got to be around the right energy and around the right ambition 
because it rubs off on you. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I want to give props to Americans on this one because your networking skills, I think, are far superior. So in the UK, we are, there's, people always talk about the old boys network. And networking is almost like a dirty word because it's something that we see the upper class having. There are people that went to schools like Eton or, um, you know, they've gone to the top, you know, they've gone to uni- universities like Cambridge or Oxford. And like, it's become like a dirty word that people see, but a network is your most fucking like, it's it's completely like your strongest ally. So for people listening right now, veterans, there'll be people from your battalion, people from your unit who go on and open up uh, open up their own businesses. For instance, I, you know, I use my own experience. I go, I, you know, I'm working on a lot of collaborations with people who are from different parts of the army. And I only wish that I had made more of an effort to network with people when I was when I was there, you know, when I'm out in the States, um, you know, that's I spend a lot of my time kind of doing that because I learned it from Americans because you guys, like, I don't know what it is, but you guys are so much better at networking. I, is it, it's maybe something like admitting that you know, like, cause maybe it's something here where we feel like, um, oh, I need to have all the answers myself and go all the way myself. So I shouldn't, you know, do you know what I mean? Maybe it's something like that. Why, why do you think that you guys are so, uh, uh, like networking is such a good skill out there? A lot of it comes down to how you're raised, right? Some people don't need a big network to, to be successful. Like I think the people that are in just um, certain gigs and they're just nine to five job workers, like, you know, they're, they're confined to what they know. They're confined to how they live and, and that's okay for them. But for guys like me, like that, that live open-minded, that live by learning, like you want to always learn, you know, and you learn from meeting new people, you learn from new experiences, you learn from, you know, different things. And so, uh, you know, I think it just comes down to like your perspective on life. Right. And, and if you're open-minded and, um, you're accepting and you're not like resistant to, to other people's opinions or other kind of personalities, like you're going to get a lot farther in life. And for me, I knew that that was one of my strengths and that's one, that's the, that's one of my greatest, you know, hidden talents is just all about people at the end of the day. It's all about relationships. Um, and so if you can't build relationships in your life, like, you're going to have a tough time. That's a great point, man. And like leader, you know, like for young leaders out there listening, you know, like you said, it's, it's about people. It's like if you are, if you're working in a business, it's about people. If you're working in a hospital, it's about people. If you're working on a fucking football team, it's about people. It always comes back to, it always comes back to that. Um, what was your kind of, the, what was the kind of the journey then from, um, from like leaving college to, to get into um, working for yourself. Yeah. So it's funny, man. Um, you know, Gareth is my favorite DJ, obviously of all time. And, um, he's all, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was like his biggest, I'm like his biggest fans ever since I was a little, you know, since I was in college and every time he'd play a show, I in San Diego, I'd go to a show, right. All every, every one of them. And one night I went to his show here in San Diego and, um, I wore some neon green sunglasses to one of his Northern lights show. Uh, at Flux down here in San Diego. And everyone in the club was coming up to me asking about my shades. And boom, like that's when the whole thing kind of happened. And um, my $5 beater shades that I wore to his show became this like massive hit by everyone in the club. And they were coming up to me asking about my glasses. And so the whole idea kind of started on the dance floor of a nightclub at his show. Nice. And I was a surf coach at the time. So I was the, you know, I was working at the beach from nine to five all day. And I started seeing people walk by and the sunglasses that they're wearing. And 
I noticed a huge gap in the market, you know, between the $5 beater shades I was wearing and the $200 Oakley's or Ray-Bans. Like I was 23, I was a broke college student. I couldn't afford any of those sunglasses. And so I saw a need and I was like, whoa, like what better place to do this in San Diego? Um, if this is not going to work here, it's not going to work anywhere. And so I jumped in head first, man. And I had no experience. I had no business plan. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Um, but I just figured it out, you know? Um, and I had some friends before me that started successful businesses that were a few years ahead of me and that really rubbed off on me. Um, so just being around the right people in the right area and kind of feeding off the ambition that runs here in San Diego, like I knew I needed to do this. And I had a, you know, I had a, I had a few, you know, prior experiences working for other people that just drove me through the roof. So, so I, I think I picked up what you saying, like you sort of need, I think that's something that's so important with people out there. Cause dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all for like supporting everybody going out, um, and trying to be their own boss if that's what they want to do. But you have to identify a need, you know, it, it does, you can't say like, oh, I think it's going to be. I'm going to open up this trampoline center in a in a town of three people because I want to open up a trampoline center. Is there a need, you know, for these kind of things? And it's ident- you know, identifying that and then following it up by giving it, you know, by throwing everything into it. Business at the end of the day is just solving a problem, right? And there was obviously for me, I had a problem finding sunglasses I could afford. I had a problem finding sunglasses that were cool. Um, and so that was a problem and I couldn't and I couldn't find anything I liked. So I started it myself. And did did you have a thing for like? Have you been into? Um, was like fashion? Uh, was fashion? Because I mean, you know, I guess it falls into fashion, right? Was fashion a thing for you? Because like, you see, like a lot in Southern California, there's fucking surf shops on every fucking corner. You know, a lot of these places. There's um, and there's real kind of like um, we're not talking about like just utility looking clothing here there's a lot of like you know there's there's patterns there's patterns on everything it's cool is basically what it is yep you know everybody wants to fucking look cool so did you did you were you into that kind of design side of things yeah absolutely you know and that's what i thought was so cool right it was like when i was young i was working with all these brands and i was seeing all the athletes wearing all these cool clothes and you know doing all this cool shit and like i just thought that was the coolest thing ever you know so i i definitely picked up on that early on. And, um, I knew that, you know, surfing for me was my passion, but there was a lot more of life than just surfing. And, um, that, you know, as I eventually grow, that's gonna, you know, my network is going to grow throughout surfing and, um, into other industries. And I need to kind of pull from all different places to kind of bring the best stuff at the, you know, at the best time. But absolutely. Yeah. It definitely ripped off of me at a young age. Did you mentioned earlier that you like, you kind of, uh, you know, like you punted like a lot of your twenties to set yourself up your thirties. Can you talk, mm-hmm. what, what, how did that kind of manifest itself? So, you know, when I went all in on blenders, right, it was like guns, guns blazing. So passionate. I was twenty, twenty three at the time and I was just kind of consumed by it, you know, and I had to, I had to live below my means for a very long time in order to actually make some, make some actual money. You know, I mean, I went two years before I even paid myself a thousand bucks I was living on California burritos and Coors Light for fucking two years. <laughs> That's the standard diet down there anyway, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was just, I was, I was slugging it on the beach as a surf coach. Um, and so, yeah, like I knew that I had to put in my time, you know, and I think that's what most people just don't, don't want to do. You know, they would rather just sit on Instagram or just like not doing it. You know what I mean? They yeah. just delay it. And so 
I learned that balance in life is not about looking at it on a day by day basis of like, okay, I spent four hours working and then I'm going to go spend four hours with my friends. It's like, you look at it on your whole life, you know? So if I could sacrifice five to seven years of my twenties, I can get those years back in, in spades in my thirties or forties, you know? Um, and so that for me is, that's what changed my perspective is everyone's like, Oh, you got to have balance in your life and you got to look at things in balance. But it's like, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to look at balance, you know? Um, and so if I didn't, if I wasn't so passionate about this, I'd probably be dead by now because of how much I worked and how much I had to sacrifice to, to make it happen. But mm. I think that's what makes it so rewarding, you know, and you learn so much good shit by building something with your hands and doing it from, from literally nothing. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's been a, it's been a grind, but no complaints and everything I've learned is, is by doing so experience is the finest teacher yeah dude i want to like relate some of you said as well to the veteran community because i've been guilty of this and i know a lot of lads have given to the circumstances in which we do our jobs there is a certain amount of fuck it i might be dead tomorrow attitude in the military community um which is natural because there are certain points in your life where when you're on deployments you might be dead tomorrow but it's one of the most like the sooner you can get out of that mentality when you leave the military the better because i'll tell you from my experience i carried that attitude with me for the first few because i was like oh well i could be dead tomorrow so fuck it why not spend all my money well not do this why not do that don't get me wrong got some fucking good times doing that so i'm not gonna say (laughs) that but now i look back on it and go i could have had a lot of those times but also set myself up way better for the future because the chances are yeah you could die tomorrow we're probably not going to so, you know, like, so I think that's a great way the the balance you're looking at. The other thing, dude, I think it's so important for you to say, so any, like, especially younger listeners listening to this, going after your dreams, fucking 100% support it. But that doesn't mean you punt your nine to five job. You know, like, go, like going after your dreams doesn't mean, as you say, right, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be an Instagram influencer with 500 people and I'm going to just do, you know, whatever it is that they're doing you know it's you give yourself in fact you know what i'll relate this back to when i went when i first went to malibu where i was like trying to get into writing i met a studio head uh, at, the, at the gym so this guy ran one of the big studios and uh, we were talking and i was telling him what i wanted to do and he's like do you have a job and i was like yeah i work security on the ships and he was like dude that is key because you will not have to compromise on your on your business idea or your art or whatever you won't have to compromise on your vision because of money then you know, you, you're not going to try and cut corners. You're going to try and build things properly. You're going to work on something you want to do. Because it could have been, if you were in the if you were in the position where, um, you know, you didn't have that nine to five job, well, one, you might have given, you might have had to have given up, you know, at some point because you didn't have the money or you might have decided, well, you know what, maybe there's more money if I start, instead of trying to do this point, maybe I'll try and change to do something that I think will bring in money faster, but it's not actually what I'm passionate about. You know, there's a lot more kind of compromise comes into it, dude. So I think that's really cool. How you, you know, like you kind of emphasize that. And how how many years did you work that nine to five for? I mean, I was given surf lessons for gosh a couple of years. You know, I had to. Um, and you know, I actually had a job at GNC for seven minutes. It's pretty funny. I was working there for seven minutes, and <laughs> I got I got completely yelled at. Um, I showed up in my shirt. Like in my eyes, I was looking good. I was wearing a white collared shirt. My slacks were were clean and. I was wearing dress shoes, which is, which was the dress code. And, you know, my, my job at GNC was I showed up and the guy says, go home, iron your shirt and shine your shoes. And when you come back, you have to sell two vitamin packs by the end of your first shift. 
And here's your paperwork. Make sure you fill it out and bring it back. I grabbed the paperwork and I walked out and I never walked back in. And I called my business partner at the time. I go, I don't care what the fuck this takes. I just had the worst seven minutes of my life. We're building this business and this is going to work. And we're going to figure this thing out. Like period. Like I, I never want those seven minutes back ever again. And I think you need those things in your life to really push you to the brink of like mm. going all in on something. Because if you're just kind of like lollygagging and you know, you're still running a job, which is fine because you need to put food on the table. But if you're still just kind of doing it on the side, you need to make it at some point you need to make a jump, you know, and that first big jump is where people stop and where they don't commit. Um, so it's important, you know, you gotta, you gotta go all in on it. You know, it's the only way it's going to grow, but at the same time, you got to put food on the table. So it's, it's, it's kind of a balance of two at, at the beginning. I think your gut tells you when's the point of like, okay, now I've got enough to dive in rather than, you know, cause the point to dive in is usually not initially because you haven't even thought the plan out by that at that point, you know, <laughs> yeah. like realistically you need like, like a good, a, a fucking, like a plan takes a while to work itself out. Um, what was it like when you, when you, when you did start working full time for yourself? You know, it was, it was, it was interesting and it was like, I started to feel really good. I started to kind of take ownership of what I was doing. And I think for me, I look back on it and a lot of the success of, you know, running your own business and doing things on your own starts, starts small, right? Like people are always chasing the big nouns. They're always chasing success, happiness, like traveling, all these big things in life, but those big things in life that you're doing mm. and that you're leading are all compounded from tiny, tiny ones. And I knew the value of, of details. I knew making my bed in the morning. I knew brushing my thick, all those small things that people forget to do on a daily basis. Like success starts with making your bed. It starts with cleaning your dishes. It starts with making sure your house is fucking clean. Like those types of little things that I was always very good at were compounded on bigger things that I've been able to achieve because I understood the value in those little things. And I think a lot of people don't get that. And when they start to see a little bit of success, it gets messy, but yeah, I mean, calling the shots, feeling good about calling the shots. Like I felt good because I mastered the basics, you know, I was always really good at that stuff. So I was slowly building my confidence over time. You know, dude, something you said there as well, it's like, um, so anyone that's done military training, um, in the UK, we have a, a saying, my weapon, my kit, myself, which is basically the order of things. Like, so when you go out and you've got muddy and you've been on exercise, whatever it is, where you come back in, first thing you take care of is your weapon. Second thing you take care of is your kit. Third thing you take care of is yourself. Mm. And I think that can really be related to business as well. You know, the first thing you take care of is your business. Second thing you take care of is yourself. So all those, like, you might want to spend that money on, um, you might want to spend your, that money on, um, a, a, a fucking two weeks away on a luxury trip, but what's the, how's the business looking, you know? And I, I'm speaking from experience here of being someone that's fucked that up massively. And like, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like, um, getting on top of things now, but I've definitely made those wrong decisions, you know, like, and which I never would have done in the military. I never would have come in the military, just gone off, oh, fuck it, fuck my weapon covered with mud. I'm going to go to sleep, you know? But like when you do, when you're in the, um, when you're in business, you can, you can, it's, your mind's always trying to trick you into taking the easy route, right? You have to be the master of your mind because he's always trying to take, like, it doesn't care. I don't care how, how tough your mental discipline. You, there's always that temptation to be lazy. There's always that temptation to slack off. Mate, one of the reasons, uh, I, oh, sorry, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was um, employing other people, taking other people on uh, as your employees. What, what is What is that like and how... 
Was there any kind of preparation that you had for that? Honestly, man, that's probably been my biggest challenge over over the years is, you know, hiring people, training people, managing people, and then above that leadership, right? To me, those two things are the hardest skills in business. Um, like I can build a team of athletes and influencers and DJs all day, but when it comes to like building people and, you know, building personnel for the team, it's, that has not come easy, you know? And so at the beginning, you know, I've had to, you know, I've, I've worn many hats, right? I had to do every single job cause I didn't have any money to hire anyone. Mm. Um, so I had to learn how to do shipping. I had, I had to learn how to do overseas manufacturing. I had to learn how to do customer service. I had to learn how to do marketing, like all these things we needed to hire for, I needed to understand the position well enough to be able to eventually hire out for it. Um, so over time, you know, obviously you start by just hiring your friends and then hiring your friends, friends, and then you realize that's a mess. <laughs> and then, then you realize like, you got to start having tough conversations with your friends and that doesn't work out. Um, and then you slowly start to build your business for positions that you absolutely need the most. And so, you know, since we bootstrapped, we didn't have any money to hire people. Um, we had to start with interns and then we had to slowly build from there one person at a time. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, now I look at it in terms of like, you know, we hire off of cultural values and what's important to us as people, not necessarily like what's their resume look like. Like, I don't even look at a resume. I, I just don't. I, I look at, I look at their social media. I, I have lunch with them. I talk to them. I, I find what makes them, what triggers them in life, like what inspires them, what passions they have, like connecting with them as people is so important for a brand like us that, I mean, in any culture, I think that's becoming more important these days is it's less about experience and more about, you know, you as a person. And, um, and so for me, that's been the focus and that seems to work out. Given your uh, relationship with formal education as well, I think you've, one of the, one of the benefits from coming from that, from that angle from you is, you know, that formal education does not equal the person. No, exactly. And I've, learn very clearly, like you don't have to be smart to be successful <laughs> to kind of touch on that too, you know? Um, but yeah, you don't learn people in the classroom, you know, you learn them by having a beer with them. You learn the, you learn through, you know, taking a walk with them, just conversing with them like regular humans do. Um, and so that's super important, right? And that's how people connect these days on social media. That's how they connect. And in real life, that's how they connect is, there needs to be a, a you know um, a relatable aspect to the people that you're hanging out with or the people that you're hiring, and so um, yeah, it's important. And like like you said, dude, you're, as well, your brand is very much a culture, right? You know, you guys, you you know, you're you're not manufacturing, um, you know, like one small part to go into a a uh, into a phone. You know, you are. Um, you you are a culture, and and one of the things that you guys do so well is the content that you put out that kind of displays that. How did you learn about creating um, content, and what are your kind of desires when you're putting out that 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 content into the world? Right. So first off, yeah, I mean, we learned when Instagram started getting popular. You know, San Diego's got a ton of really beautiful, um, you know, venues down here, and just the the weather's beautiful, the beaches are beautiful. So just drawing on that inspiration was super cool, and. Um, then learning how to network with photographers, right. Linking up with photographers that shared, you know, like our vision, um, we would work with, and then we would schedule photo shoots to build that out. But at the beginning we had no money, so we had to pay people in sunglasses <laughs> and photographers that were going out and shooting photos. We just send them with 10 pairs of sunglasses and then they would send us in photos and slowly, but surely we started working with enough content creators to where our brand identity started to be born. And we started to really, you know, uh, encompass a really cool look to the brand. 
Um, and so we built on that. And then um, from there, it was just about, you know, finding other people outside of San Diego that we can connect with because we knew that we wanted to be a much bigger, you know, brand than just San Diego. Um, so yeah, the content has been, has been tremendous. And now we're, you know, doing stuff all over the world, which is pretty awesome. And what are your keys to content that you're, that you're looking to kind of put in every post? I mean, look, like there's, there's tons of different things we look at. I mean, when it goes to like actually working with influencers or athletes or whatever, like what kind of talent do they have? Like what, what's their specialty? Um, are they a leader in their sport or are they a new up and comer in the sport? Um, what's their social credibility look like? Like, are they impacting people? Are they educating people? Are they, or are they just funny and they're entertaining? Um, you know, being active on social media is critical and making sure that they tell stories, um, is super important for us. What's their engagement look like? Are people commenting, asking good questions that are relatable to the post or are they just, you know, is it just dudes commenting on a girl cause they want to hook up with her, you know? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. what does their alignment look like? So we have four different customer personas that we've built out over time cause we have so much data and we make sure that anyone that we're working with gets put into one of those personas. Um, so we have Barosif Brad, which is kind of like the younger kind of college kid. We, then we have li- living it up Lindsay, who's kind of the, the girl in her mid twenties. <laughs> and then we have, adventurous Adam, who's kind of like 20, <laughs> 29 through 34, um, demo. And then we got, we have the still got it Sharon. Who's like, you know, the moms that are like younger moms, but are still cool. So we have four different personas and we, you know, we categorize our different content creators or, you know, athletes and personalities into those buckets. Um, so they can appeal to those, you know, to those people. Something that you picked up from the early days there, as I picked up on is like, you know, giving sunglasses to someone in return for their service. Bartering used to be a cornerstone of our economy and the way of doing things until very recently. And I think that it's something that companies should really consider more, especially when you're getting off the ground. Because quite often, you know, we we, we always break things down to money. How much will you give me for the doing this? How much will you give me for doing that? You know, there's a there's a lot to be said for for bartering between different companies. I think, and I I feel that as well. It gives it builds a bond between you when you do that. I, I absolutely think think the same too. I mean, for us back in the day, it was always about getting more product out there in the market. And sunglasses are one of those. You know, they're a cool product, and so um, you know people wanted them. And and you know, for us, it was another way. It was another form of currency. We literally used it to to pay for services, and it worked. But um, you know, I think you have to have a cool product that people resonate with and people adopt um, because that gets them fired up on the brand, mm. you know, and especially if they like you, they're going to they're going to like your product. Yeah, ab- absolutely, mate. Uh, mate, we're almost out of time. This is fucking flown by um, before before we go. And I um, and we let people know where they can find you. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom to our noble listeners? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like, I think. I think failure is one of those things that people have to become accustomed to, right? There's setbacks that you're going to have in life. And, and, um, but knowing that, you know, failure is not about like stopping. It's just about embracing it, taking pride in those bruises and, you know, changing, changing the narrative to it. Um, knowing that failure is all about learning and discovering and experience is the finest teacher, because I think that's the biggest thing people are afraid of when starting any new thing is they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look like an idiot, or they don't want to fail, you know? And I think just, we live in a society now where they just like, people are so consumed by that notion where they don't do anything in life. So they just stay, stay the course of whatever, whatever they're doing. Um, 
but just to embrace that and anything you do in life is is achievable as long as you put in the work to get there bro i love it thank you so much for today mate i've learned a lot i I'm really appreciate it um you're an inspiring bloke with an inspiring company so i thank you for what you're doing mate and i thank you for giving you um giving up your time today mate uh where can people find you um on online mate where can they find blenders blendersiwear.com or instagram at blendersiwear and then uh yeah check me out on insta i'm always uh i'm always around would love to connect at chase fisher and if you're ever in san diego come by our office and have a beer and grab some shades and a burrito dude that sounds fucking awesome uh looking forward to seeing you when i get back out to uh, california mate but yeah thanks again for today brother i really appreciate it thanks so much brother appreciate it too Guys, thank you so much for listening today. Chase, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, mate. Um, I really, really enjoyed that conversation, guys. I know there's a lot of you out there who are starting businesses, who have aspiration in businesses, who are already kind of, you're already down that path. Someone like Chase, who's got so much experience, so much drive, he's a great person to learn from. Um, so I know you guys will have got a lot of value out of today's lesson, uh, sorry, out of today's podcast. So head over to at Veteran State of Mind on Instagram. We've got everything tagged up for you there. So you can find you Chase on there. You can find our other, um, our other guests. You can find our sponsors. Um, yeah, that's your stop. That's the place to go at Veteran State of Mind. If you want to get books for anyone that's appeared on the podcast, uh, go to www.vsonpodcast.com slash books. I've put everybody that's been on the podcast, everyone has got a book. They're all up in there. It's a one-stop shop for getting what you need. So head over there and support the people that support this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Listen. Shout out teaser. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry and my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter, yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now, live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain Or maybe you should thank me, it's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head in shame but yeah you've taken me for granted and you should feel ashamed you sold a dream to all of us a dream that we'd all die for a reason for us all to live and something we could fight for i might just help a man up to his feet or hold a new one but no matter what i do my hands remembering my rifle yeah life's hard i know that still wouldn't change shit i wouldn't go back yeah i wouldn't go back feelings i hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go